You're listening to Managing in the Middle. A podcast about ways to make work suck less. Righto, lizard brain. Talk to me, Nate. What is it? Also called reptilian brain. Also called the amygdala, which is always a very bit of a tongue twister. I like to call it amygdala because it sounds nicer. Amygdala. It sounds very zen, doesn't it? Like mandala. Should be on a yoga mat. What do you think? <laughs> yoga. Yeah, we're going to get our lizard brain out on a yoga mat. We're going to massage it. We're going to see how it thinks. Absolutely. So, what is the lizard brain and why do you need to understand what it is? Well, building trust, as we have talked about across this podcast multiple times, is one of the most important things you need to do as a leader in building a team. And the absolute opposite of building trust is something that happens with the lizard brain. What this really means is we have a prehistoric part of our brain which is responsible for the fight or flight. It's that little voice in the back of our head saying to back off, to go slow, to put up a fight. It's a range of different things. It's that prehistoric part of your brain that really drives fear and rage and all sorts of crazy things. Why do you think that's important, Dave? It's really important because it will let you know that if you need to run or if you need to fight, it's actually going to release hormones that are going to help that. Uh, Hormones, chemicals, whatever they are, it's going to release the things that make that easier. It's going to send blood to different parts of your body, it's going to physically shut down parts of your brain that it doesn't need. Now, unfortunately, if you want to do any sort of creative work, if you want to think broadly, then as soon as you're under threat and that fight, flight or freeze kicks in, that part of your brain shuts down and you can't do that work. So, people that are being bullied, threatened, pushed, whatever, are not going to perform. Yeah. 100%. So, if there's no trust and, you know, I don't trust that you care about me and that you care about my well-being and you criticize my work or you pull me into line because I didn't do something right, that lizard brain is going to fire straight away. And from then, I'm pretty much going to shut off to anything you have to tell me. And there's going to be a big problem in terms of relationships and behavior. And this is why the shit sandwich doesn't work because people know it's coming and the lizard brain kicks in. Yep, absolutely right. So, building psych safety, what is the way that we can actually override any of those lizard brain things? And what we have to remember is people come with their own sets of baggage. So, what might fire off someone's lizard brain to one person might take, you know, a lot, a completely different approach or it might be a completely different thing that sets off someone else. So, we all come with our little insecurities, our baggage, our childhood, our trauma, things that make us feel safe and things that make us feel unsafe. I know that's a bit scary as a leader because we think, oh, I'm not a psychologist and I'm not equipped to deal with these things, but it's just acknowledgement that depending on someone's background, they're going to have a different fight or flight response to your feedback, criticism, praise, whatever that looks like. So, let's talk about some tips really quickly of what we can do to try and calm the lizard brain when we're trying to get the most out of our staff and that when we're actually just trying to give 
constructive feedback, there's a whole bunch of different things. So one of my favorites, Dave, is really around sort of leading by example. So making sure that you are asking for feedback from your staff and that you are showing that you're vulnerable, that you're open to acknowledging your mistakes, being open to opinions, and also just generally asking for help, showing that you are not the be-all and end-all person, but you can also come from a point of equality and openness. Absolutely. And in, in a team environment, you have to consciously look for examples of good behavior that you want to highlight for the team in front of the team. So forget about the people that put in the all-nighters, the heroes, but that's not the behavior we want. But if someone makes a mistake and learns from it, highlight it. Say, you know, what a great thing that is for the whole team. How good is this? People need to learn that they're safe so that if they feel like they need to say, hey, what you're saying or the way you're saying it or the way you behaved made me feel insecure, that's the only way you're going to get around it. You're not going to guess it. They have to tell you. So you have to create an environment in which it's okay to say that. Yeah. And some of the small things when we talk about creating a safe, you know, safe space for people is what we call belonging cues. So a great couple of books which we can add into the show notes. One is Dan Coyle's The Culture Code. And he talks a lot about a mere hint of belonging is not enough. It needs to be signaled over and over. And so that basically means you can't just do it once. You have to do it all the time. And some of those things can be really small. So trust is built in really small moments. That They are things like being present and paying attention to people when you're in a meeting with them, giving praise when it's due, thanking people for their contribution or for attending something or for doing something that was above and beyond, smiling. And the other thing that was really obvious in this study as well was high interaction teams, talking often. There's a lot of footy teams and a lot of sports teams that's, that say, hey, keep the talk up or, or chefs in the kitchen, making sure we're communicating often so that people can't misinterpret anything that's happening. And just making sure that we're also using any downtime moments to connect and engage and, and care personally and show interest in the person. It's key to remember, I'm trying to think which particular book it was in. I think it was uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People, actually. The praise, the caring, the has to be sincere. People have got finely tuned, thanks to the lizard brain, they've got finely tuned bullshit radars. So as soon as you start saying, hey, good job, they're going to know you're bullshitting and there goes the trust. Right? Say it if you mean it. Yep. And if there's no praise to be had, then it's about other kinds of respect and visual cues like being present, paying attention, saying thank you, giving eye contact, you know, asking questions, all of those things that are still really important. Yeah, genuine interest. What are their kids' names? Where, where are they at school? I mean, get to know secondhand their families, their interests. Ask them, say, how's Molly? Yeah, she had a bit of a coffee the other day. How's she going now? How's your husband coping with that? Yeah, how's it going? Care. People want to be heard, given the opportunity to talk. Yep. So that's in a nutshell what the lizard brain is. There is so much on this and there's some fantastic 
YouTube segments. There's lots of different summaries that talk about the lizard brain, what it is, what it does. Utterly fascinating. We'll have some links in the show notes. Otherwise, feel free to go Google lizard brain and have a whole bunch of fun looking that up. Yes. No lizards were harmed in the making of this segment. <laughs> <laughs>